millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hello, I'm Sally Toxvig, and this is We Will Get Past This where I welcome you into my calm room of books, so I can share tales from history of various deeds. Some brave, some baffling, others downright idiotic, in a bid to comfort the soul in this challenging time we find ourselves in. Some of these were recorded with specific dates in mind, but as we've all come to realise, none of that kind of thing really matters. My diary's wide open. There are no rules about when something can be enjoyed, so take a moment to relax and remember this. We will get past this. Hello there, come on in, let's have a chat. I was thinking how much I like a book that you can dip into. This one is called The Live Wire Book of British Women Achievers. It was written by Kate Murphy, who I've had the pleasure of working with at Radio 4. It's a lovely easy read which opens the eyes to just how many brilliant female artists, scientists, politicians, Musicians, sports champions, pirates, writers, soldiers, and so on, uh, we could celebrate, but often don't. So I am supposed to be writing a play at the moment, but I'm slightly struggling to write anything from my imagination. As our actual lives seem so far beyond anything anyone could have made up, it's hard to come up with believable fiction. So I looked for some inspiration in the past, and I was reminded, in this book, of Catherine of Sutton. She was the first English playwright of a female persuasion, uh, crafting her theatre more than 650 years ago. In 1358, she became abbess of Barking Nunnery, which is a very pleasing name, as it sounds like a convent full of lunatics. She seems to have made what these days is known as immersive theatre. Everybody got involved, including all the nuns and priests. She would have been in full swing this time of year, as Easter was her top inspiration for a spot of theatre. Her aim, apparently, was to liven up church services to stop the congregation drifting off, which clearly was an ongoing problem. Nothing dampens the ardour of a sermon more than the sound of snoring. There are a number of Catherine's mystery plays which we know about, including one uh, where she and a couple of priests pretended to be in limbo while they waited for Christ to open the gates of hell. This was a promenade performance which involved everyone wandering about the abbey, opening a lot of gates and carrying lit candles. Actually, the last time I went to a church service, I'm not sure they'd cracked the whole keeping everyone awake thing. Surely, time for revival of Catherine's best work. As it happens, it was today, in 1689, that Aphra Ben, possibly the greatest of Britain's female playwrights, passed away. She was so famous 
that even Robert Chambers in My Book of Days uh, writes about her. And uh, to be honest, he rarely found uh, women interesting enough to put down on paper. He describes her as a writer and a wit, which seems a lovely job, if you can get it. Uh, Afra is a Hebrew name, which means dust, although originally in this country it was a name for a woman from Africa. I'm not sure why Afra Ben's parents chose it. They were called Johnson and came from Canterbury, although they did travel. Her dad got the job of Lieutenant General of Suriname, which has never even occurred to me as a career aspiration. Off the whole family went to the West Indies. Sadly, Mr Johnson died on the way, uh, which rather spoiled the excitement of the trip. It was a long way, so Mrs Johnson and the kids stayed in Suriname for a bit, before returning to London where she became the wife of a Mr Ben, about whom we know very little except he was perhaps Dutch or German. It says something about how brilliant Afra was, because usually it's the woman about whom we lack facts. Anyway, she must have been quite the thing because she came to the attention of the royal court of Charles II. The best thing for any writer of drama is to have had some in their own life, and Afra's was far from dull. The king clearly thought her capable because before long she was given the code name Astria and sent to Antwerp as a spy. Hmm. Chambers says, she succeeded so well as to obtain information of the design of the Dutch to sail up the Thames and burn the English ships in their harbours and at once communicated her information to the English court. Sadly, the king failed to pay for her services, so when she got back, she began clearing her debts as a writer for two theatre companies, the King's Company and the Duke's Company. The theatres had been closed for 18 years thanks to the English Civil War. I don't know whether it was Afra's influence, but both companies would eventually include the very first actresses on the English public stage, most notably perhaps Nell Gwynne. Her first play, The Forced Marriage or The Jealous Bridegroom, was about a young woman made to marry someone she didn't want to, and who was, uh, she was then went on to be unfaithful to her husband. Now, 17th century women were not supposed to even know such goings-on existed. The play was immoral and far too daring, which of course made it a huge hit. I think Afra would have disliked modern media where everyone is allowed to be a critic, and she spent her professional life battling those who constantly had a go at her, criticising her very existence, her right to put pen to paper at all, and inventing scandalous stories about her private life. The Daily Mail did not invent the shaming of a woman who dared to live in a man's world. Did she have affairs, as everyone at the time suggested? I do hope so. One of her most famous quotes suggests it when she says, Love ceases to be a pleasure when it ceases to be a secret. Uh, Chambers himself is not kind about Afra. He says, Her writings, which are numerous, are nearly forgotten now, and from the opinion of several writers, it is well they should be. It's not true at all. She wrote a great deal of splendid poetry. Her 19 plays made her one of the most prolific playwrights of the time, second only to the poet laureate John Dryden. Now, there's also some really interesting prose. The year before she died, she published a novel called Urinoko, or The History of the Royal Slave, in which she used her time in Suriname as a background. It is one of the earliest English novels by a woman or a man. It's the story of a prince kidnapped from West Africa, enslaved, and taken to a British colony in South America. It's a love story and one of the very first anti-slavery novels. Certainly it was the first to show Africans in a sympathetic way. Perhaps, after all, her name suited her. I wish I knew more about Afra Ben. It is a story, frankly, with more holes in it than a lace collar. In this history of theatre, she receives only a single sentence of mention, which says she was notable 
as the first woman to earn her living by playwriting and, incidentally, a government spy and the introducer of milk punch into England. I love that she decided to be a professional writer when no one else had ever even thought it was possible for a girl. Writing was clearly a passion for her. In the last years of her life, she was unwell, but nevertheless kept putting her thoughts down on paper. Despite all the stories and scandals, she must still have been well thought of because when she died on this day in 1689, she was buried in Westminster Abbey. And when this is all done, I think I shall go to the Abbey and pay my respects. It is a church full of wonderful stories. Uh, for example, hidden away and hard to find in the chapel of St John the Baptist lies a fascinating plaque dedicated to Mary Kendall and her companion Lady Catherine Jones, who died this week in 1740. Lady Catherine was an amazing English philanthropist who focused her attention on women's rights and education. Her ashes were mingled with those of Mary Kendall, with whom she had shared her life. And there's an inscription which expresses the women's desire that even their ashes after death might not be divided. Were they a couple? Who knows? It was Afra Ben who made me think of Lady Catherine, and I've just today done my duty to Lady Catherine by adding her to the list of the departed for the correct date in Wikipedia. Reclaiming history, one person at a time. I like that Afra prompted me to write. Afra herself lies in the east cloister near the steps up into the church. A plain black marble slab covers her grave, and on it is the following inscription. Here lies a proof that wit can never be defence enough against mortality. It's a, it's a sobering statement. Take care. Be kind. We will get past this, you know. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.